Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey, well, happy July, PCC, and I want to give a special shout out to our house churches that are gathering all over the place. We are so grateful for this next phase of our reopening, and I hope you're enjoying the fellowship of being together. Let's pray together, and we're going to jump into God's Word. Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you so much for this time. Lord, we, none of us would have scripted this time, this cultural moment even that we're living in, but we trust you. Your ways are greater than our ways, and we're trusting you to use us to be hope and life in these divided times. Lord, we love you, and we believe right now as we dig into your word, it's going to make a world of difference in our world and in your world. We pray that it would. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, so come back with me eight years. It was the fifth day, literally, of a journey I was on circumventing the globe. I was to stop from San Francisco all the way in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, pick up my daughter that Ann and I had adopted, and keep coming back to San Francisco, all in a five-day journey. We were on literally the last leg of that journey coming into Istanbul, Turkey, and we were tired, Jojo and myself. She was on my shoulders. She didn't speak English. I didn't speak Lingala, but love spoke volumes, and we were having the time of our life, although being extremely weary. I'll never forget walking through the Istanbul airport, and I was approaching the United Airlines ticket counter. I was shifting from a flight of Turkish air out of the Congo to United Airlines back to San Francisco. And as I approached the gate, uh, the ticket counter, uh, the agent, who I later learned, his name was Amir, said, Mr. Gadini, we've been expecting you. I I couldn't believe it. And I looked at him as I walked closer to the gate and I said, how did you know who I was? And he said, can I see your papers, please? And I pulled out two passports, a Congolese passport, an American passport. And he held them up and he says, this is how I knew who you were. We were wondering what this was about. Two countries, the same last name. There must be a story behind this. I looked at him, I said, actually there is. And I told him in just a brief two or three minutes our adoption story and what went on. You would have thought when I finished that I basically took a lemon and shoved it in his mouth because he just looked at me with this queried look and a furrowed brow. And he said, why in the world would you do this? Then I pulled out a more important document. I pulled out my Bible, sensing the Holy Spirit had created a divine appointment. And I turned to John 14, verse 18. I said, Amir, let me tell you why we're doing this. In John 14, I read him the verse that Jesus said, I'm not leaving you as an orphan. I'm coming to you. And I shared my testimony how I was once far from God, and yet Christ ran after me and adopted me into his family. There was enough love in the realm of the Trinity to include me. And I said, Amir, we're just doing with Jojo what God did with us. Friends, that was a showstopper, literally. He, he was just silent. I thought I offended him. And he reached down and pulled out our ticket and just gave it to us, silent. After about 10 more seconds of awkward silence, I said, thank you, 
and we walked away. You know, as I was walking down to uh, wait on an eight hour layover, I thought, oh my gosh, Lord, you did it again. Like my memory of my time in Istanbul was not being an American citizen or just having Jojo be a Congolese citizen. My memory was my kingdom citizenship, which opened a door for me to tell someone I never met before and would never meet again, so I thought, about the good news of Jesus Christ. Every day, every day we all live from an identity based on a citizenship. We do. And our goal in the next eight weeks is to acquaint, reacquaint as followers of Jesus with our primary citizenship, our kingdom allegiance, citizens of the kingdom of God. Friends, in this unprecedented, divisive moment in history, I'm actually concerned as our pastor that too many of us are over-prioritizing earthly alliances over a kingdom allegiance. And in this cultural moment, my concern as your pastor is that our earthly preferences may be winning battles, but friends, if we cling to those earthly preferences over a kingdom allegiance, I'm telling you, we're losing the war. We're losing the war for the hearts and lives and eternities of the very people God put us here on this earth to see come to know him. Listen to part of a statement released by Tony Dungy, who used to be an NFL Super Bowl coach. He's now a commentator and an avid follower of Jesus Christ. I would say he's a disciple of Jesus disguised as a commentator, a sports commentator. He said, today we're in a divided country. We're divided racially, politically, and socioeconomically. And Satan is laughing at the church, Dungy says, because that's exactly what he wants. Division, mistrust, and hatred help Satan's kingdom flourish. I could sum that up in a real simple statement. The only hope for a divided culture is a united church. I'm going to say that again. The only hope for a divided culture is a united church. That's why we're doing this series for the next eight weeks called One Kingdom indivisible. It's a series that's been in the works for over eight months. Some 20 churches are doing one iteration or another of this very series. And when this originated back in December, in a discussion with me and another pastor, it started with a desire, knowing that we have an election coming in 2020, asking the question, how can we pull red Christians and blue Christians together to a unity in an unprecedented way. And the only way we knew how was if we place as a priority, more than our political alliance, the allegiance to the kingdom of God. Friends, a church divided is the greatest paradox of all because a church divided loses its credibility to allure a divided world. <laughs> PCC, we have a beautiful and more growing in diversity kind of church. And the only way we're gonna have unity amongst so much diversity in our church is if we unite around the mission that Jesus has called us to, to empower the generations to passionately follow Christ 
one person at a time. I will gladly lay down my rights to see that mission fulfilled. And I'm calling all of us to do that. Every week, we're going to be extremely practical. We're going to go from pastoring to probing. We're going to expose areas that you and I both have where we place earthly alliance over kingdom allegiance. It's going to be an incredible, incredible eight weeks as we look at the story arc of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation and look at this thing called the kingdom of God, which is so massive, so incredible, it's worth all our allegiance. So join me, meet me actually in Luke chapter 14, and let's talk about the priority of the kingdom from Jesus' mouth. And then we'll start next week back in Genesis and start our journey. Luke 14, verse 25. Here's what it says. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple. Now let's just stop right there. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who learns from Jesus to live like Jesus. I'm going to say it again. A disciple is someone who learns from Jesus how to live like Jesus. And friends, that is Jesus' goal for you and me. It's the most freeing, liberating, best human existence on the planet to be a disciple. And Jesus says, look at that word. If you want to be my disciple, it's open to anybody. But if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, yes, even your own life. What is Jesus saying? Is he calling us to be haters? Absolutely not. But what he's calling us to be is ultimate lovers. He's saying, if you want to be my disciple, put your love for me above every other earthly alliance. Otherwise, he said, call yourself whatever you want. But from heaven's perspective, you're not my disciple. Oh my gosh. This is so important, my friends. And it's so important that you understand this. What is a disciple? What's the difference between a disciple and just a Christian? Is there a difference between a disciple and a Christian? Well, there certainly is in the New Testament. Did you know in the New Testament the word Christian? That's a pretty important word, right? Do you know it only appears three times in the New Testament? And two times it's used as a derogatory term from an outside group towards people of faith. In contrast, do you know what the word disciple is used over 250 times in the New Testament? Jesus' priority is that you not identify as a Christian. What? You call yourself a pastor and say that? Yes, I do. Jesus' priority, based on just word usage alone, is that you identify as a disciple of his. The word Savior, that's an important word. That's used 56 times in the New Testament. Thank God that Jesus is our Savior. The word Lord, that's used, are you ready? 6,711 times in the New Testament. Jesus, I'm sorry, in the whole Bible, Jesus cares that we follow him as Lord, not just Savior. Listen, we don't pray a prayer so we can get to heaven. We receive God's grace so we can enter a process of being a child of God 
and being a disciple. So in verse 27, Jesus goes on. And if you don't, this is so important. If you don't carry your own cross, your own cross, it means I can't carry your cross. We each have our own cross to carry and follow me. You can't be my disciple. Let's put that in context. In Jesus' day, people carrying their cross had no rights. People carrying their cross were on their way to execution. And Jesus, in his upside-down kingdom way, is saying the most freeing way to live as my follower, lay down your rights, die to yourself, and follow me. Oh my gosh. In other words, in the kingdom of God, dying is the new living. Dying is the new living. So, are you saying, Gary, that if I claim to be a disciple, I have to give my identity as a Jesus follower more priority than any other identity? Are you saying that my identity as a student? Or my identity as a student athlete? Or my identity as an employee? Or being a husband or a wife? Are you really saying that my patriotism, my ethnicity, my being a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or whatever, that is to take second place to my allegiance to the Lord Jesus That's exactly what I'm saying. And that's exactly what I'm saying this world needs. I'm not saying don't hold those as important. It's really important that you're uh, a son or a daughter or a student or wherever you work. It's really important that you're an informed political participant in our democracy. But it's even more important that you live that out in a Christ-centered way with the character of Jesus oozing through you. It's really important that you're a disciple first, disguised as a Republican, disguised as a Democrat, disguised as a Libertarian. And listen, right now, if you're not a Jesus follower and you're thinking, oh, this doesn't pertain to me, it actually does. Because it's this very misalignment that's taking place in the church with Christians that probably turns you off towards following Jesus. And I want to say from the start, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the way I have misprioritized my earthly alliance to kingdom allegiance. I don't want you, if you're not a follower of Christ and you're watching this, to miss Jesus because his followers like me get in the way. Jesus is amazing and invites you freely to a place where you understand you are more loved than you would ever know. And you're actually more worse off, more sinful than you ever imagined. And Jesus is your remedy for that and offers you a free gift of salvation. He actually offers you entrance into the kingdom of God. That was his primary mission, my friends. The kingdom of God and entrance into it, it's what he called people into. We're using this as our working definition throughout this whole series of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is what life would look like if God got his way. It's what life would look like if God got his way. Think of whatever realm you live in. Think of your high school. Think of Sequoia High School. What would Sequoia High School look like if God got his way? What would Redwood City look like if God got his way? What would PCC look like if God got his way? What would your home look like if God got his way? Jesus invites us to enter into and live out 
and see the kingdom of God flourish under us as we live under his lordship, as we pick up our cross and follow him as Lord and prioritize the kingdom allegiance over our earthly alliances. This is so important to Jesus. He talked about the kingdom of God all the time, all the time. His first recorded sermon, Matthew 4, 17, guess what it was about? Look what it says. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And then in Matthew, later on, 4.23, it says, Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness amongst people. His miracles were actually living illustrations of what the kingdom of God would look like, restoring brokenness. His most famous sermon he ever preached, what is that? Sermon on the Mount, I heard you. Sermon on the Mount. Uh, He mentions the kingdom of God 20 times in those three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount. After his resurrection, he spent 40 days on the earth. Guess what he talked about? Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 3 tells us, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and here it is, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. This is the gospel Jesus proclaimed. You saw how beautiful it was in the video we watched before the message. And my question is, my friends, why wouldn't we prioritize the kingdom of God above every earthly alliance? It's that good. When we do that, my friends, that is the hope that we will offer this culture because it will unify us as a diverse church into a mosaic that's beautiful that people will want to jump into and be a part of. Everybody wants to be a part of a mutually benefiting, mutually empowering, unified movement. You know, for this whole series, we're offering uh, and inviting everybody to read a book. We're not paying for it. You got to pay for it yourself. Um, It's called The Third Option, Hope for a Racially Divided Nation. And this does an amazing job. Miles McPherson, a great pastor, theologian, he's an amazing, does an amazing job of integrating sociology and theology and the Bible together and saying, you know what, in our racially divided world, in our politically divided world, there is a third option, a kingdom option, because we actually have more in common than we have that divides us. You can get this book if you go on the Beyond Sunday or go on the website, you'll see where this book is offered, The Third Option by Miles McPherson. You know, I want to close by one, with one more verse, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul says this to a group living on the outskirts of the Roman Empire, and that's capital Roman Empire. The Roman government was everything. And he says this to them. Some of them were Roman citizens. Some of them were slaves. Some of them weren't. But he said to all of them, this church that was diverse gathered. He said, you know what? Philippians 3.20, your citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship is in heaven. In other words, I don't care where you were born, Paul says. I don't care if you were born a citizen, bought your citizenship in the Roman Empire, or if you don't have citizenship or rights in the Roman Empire. Your citizenship, your primary allegiance is the kingdom of God. Friends, I want to say that to you. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
And regardless of whether you uh, are an American, whether you are a Mexican-American or a Jamaican-American or an African-American or Asian-American, regardless of whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, regardless of whether you're going to support Trump or support Biden this, this November, your primary allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And may we let that inform every other earthly role we play. That's the hope that we're fighting for. So come back with me as we close. Come back with me eight years to Istanbul. Move forward eight hours. I'm at the gate and Jojo and I, she's still on my shoulders, are ready to board our plane. I drop down our two passports, they scan them, and I'll never forget the ticket counter person looks alarmed, says, Mr. Gadini, you have to go over here. And I went to the side and I said, what's wrong? She goes, just please wait over there. And I wait on, uh, on a, Jojo and I wait on a chair and it's about 20 minutes, the whole plane has boarded. And I'm thinking, oh no. And all of a sudden, who comes walking up to me? Amir, the man I met from eight hours earlier. And he comes up to me and he says, Mr. Gadini, do you believe in angels? And I said, yes, why? And he said, I think you might be one. And I looked at him and he said, you know, I have been searching for God. And I have been praying, God, if you're real, will you show me a sign that you're real? He said, when you showed up today and you shared that verse with me, you were an answer to that prayer. I believe God exists. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to share that with me. And he handed me a letter that I still have to this day. And then he walked away. And Jojo and I walked on that plane. And once again, I just shook my head. And I said, God, I can't believe it. Here I am, you know, traveling. And you as, use me as a kingdom citizen in a way that I never would dream possible. Thank you. Friends, I believe God has divine appointments for all of us. And God is asking each one of us to prioritize our kingdom allegiance over every earthly alliance. I'll say it one last time. The only hope for our divided culture is a united church. The only thing that's going to unite us is the kingdom of God and putting that as our primary allegiance. Let's pray. Father, we give ourselves to you right now all of us, hey, right now, in your homes, in your house churches, your heads are bowed, I want to just ask this question. What earthly alliance is the Holy Spirit convicting you of right now that you're over-prioritizing, even over the kingdom of God? What is it that would keep you from saying to Jesus, I'm all yours? I am all yours. I want you to be my Lord. I'm dropping this earthly alliance and placing it where it should be under your kingdom allegiance. Father, we give ourselves for your kingdom. We lay down our rights like you did in Philippians 2 so that your kingdom would grow. 
we pray that you would use us as a church, as diverse as we are ethnically, gender-wise, age-wise, in all of our preferences. Lord, use us to be one as we unite around your lordship. We look forward to what you have for us in this series. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.